This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my host, doc, co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Oh, Heidi, I love May in New York. How is it? It's really nice. There's there's two amazing times in the city, and that's spring and fall. And you don't want to come here in the winter at all. There's no point. Uh, yes, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful time because things are starting to open up and bloom. And I know a lot of people are grieving. And for a lot of people, it may not be an amazing time. I I just we've said this before on the show, Mom. But I still remember when Scott died because he died in the spring. He died in April. And I remember going outside, and the weather was amazing, and it was sunny and gorgeous, and it was an assault to me. It was, it was, I, I wanted to scream up at the sky and say, you're supposed to be thundering, lightning, raining, and hailing. I don't want it to be sunny and beautiful. I want the weather to reflect what I'm going through. So, you know, it's, it's, it depends where people are in the grief journey is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I also remember that, for me, the sky was gray for two years. I mean, it, it never got sunny. My, my world was gray. It was a, a very tough time. Well, tomorrow is my anniversary, uh, 52 years on May 3rd. Wow, May 4th. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And uh, w- what I want to tell all those folks out there that have suffered loss, we sometimes hear that there's this huge divorce rate, and it's very scary for everyone. And I must say that um, we've stayed together as a family. Sure, it was tough. And we had our ups and downs, and Phil wanted to grieve when I didn't want to grieve, and I was trying to be up when he was down. And you know, it was—it's uh, it, not an easy process. And I think men grieve a bit differently than women too. Um, don't we find that, Heidi? Men tend to be more instrumental and like to do things. We definitely find that. Yes, they're fixers, and they—they they like to fix the problem. And we all know that it's hard to fix. You really can't fix a loss. But uh, they tend to, yes, they tend to grieve shoulder to shoulder. Women grieve eye to eye. And men like to get busy doing things when they're grieving oftentimes. And I'm sure our guest Mark can talk about that and talk about his own journey. Absolutely. Well, we have a great guest today, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about something that I think a lot about, which is about miracles and about things not being coincidence. And how do you want to introduce our guest? I would love to, Mom. Our guest today is Mark Triplett. He is the co-director of a Minnesota nonprofit organization in memory of his son, Adam, uh, which serves the Love Basket Grief Support Outreach. Mark is the author of From Mayhem to Miracles. Mark's passion is sharing his story of miracle messages that provide spiritual healing in his grief journey. Mark, welcome to our show. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Mark, it's uh, great to have you on today. Can you tell us, uh, start the show a little bit about telling us about Adam and uh, what happened to him? Yes. Well, Adam uh, is my only son. He was 23 years old when he was killed in an airplane accident, of which he was the flight instructor. He and his student both died that day. It was a beautiful day for flying, and uh, there was absolutely nothing wrong with uh, uh, the weather or the conditions of flight. It was one of those very dangerous things that pilots uh, who are listening today would certainly attest to, and that is when you're flying low and slow, uh, it's a very dangerous place to be. And that's what happened. Uh, Adam had an airplane accident while he was giving a lesson to another advanced student, uh, and they 
uh, lost a little bit of control of their aircraft for a while and uh, recovered, but they didn't have enough altitude because they were at the airport. So unfortunately, as they landed their airplane in the city of New Richmond, Wisconsin, they broke off a wing and fuel sprayed, and they literally walked away from the accident had they not been on fire. So that's um, how my son died. Yeah, that that sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. It is, it's very traumatic to lose a child or a sibling to burning because my brother also died after the car that he was in basically exploded, and um, they were they were burned. So, yes, our heart still goes out to you. Thank you, and mine to you as well. Yeah, it's a frightening thing to envision. Absolutely. And uh, how did you, did you have replay that in your mind, Mark? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, yes. You see, Adam was also my flight instructor. So I am, uh, as well, I'm a pilot. And so as a pilot, I can understand the things that he and his student were going through at the time to recover from this uh, uncoordinated flight. I have re- replayed every detail that I know from my training, what would have happened, and then complicate that with what could have happened, what might have been the cause, and your mind starts playing a lot of tricks on you, and so it exacerbates the grief level. So yeah, I've replayed that in my mind thousands and thousands of times. Well, Mark, for people out there who are replaying it now, and maybe they're only in their first year or less, have you got some advice for them about how to deal with that? Well, I hope that I do. Uh, It is my intent to share my story in the uh, the event that I can help other people gain an awareness of what what it is that they're actually going through. And um, what I would say, first of all, is please be kind to yourself and take one day at a time, and try not to sort too much of this out at once. Uh, Time uh, doesn't heal, but time offers the platform for understanding and for some healing, Uh, but it certainly uh, offers us a greater degree of um, insight to the things that we're struggling with, not only with our mind, but with our heart and soul. Mark and... Oh, are you going to say something? Go ahead. I'd just say, first of all, just be really kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. Find some way of discovering within yourself. I know that's really, really difficult to hear, particularly for people that are in uh, early the, the early years of their uh, suffering in this. But if you can find that uh, some level of peace, uh, what I mean by that is finding a place where you can call it peaceful so that you can relate to the surroundings and um, and allow your system to calm down some. And that helps that helped me. Now I know you and your wife had have had you had a couple of years of counseling and mentioned your counselor in the book. With this traumatic loss, I was wondering if maybe um, that has helped you too with this trauma death. Oh let me tell you, uh, I, I think that without it uh, our struggle with the pain, our struggle with the confusion, um, the, the suffering, the loss all in general, would have been uh, many, many times more difficult without professional counseling. I highly recommend anyone that is going through this process of grief at any level to seek uh, good counseling, 
particularly people who are uh, specialized in grief counseling. Because it, it makes all the difference in the world to be able to lean on someone who is strong, both physically and uh, spiritually and uh, intellectually. And that, that's part of the piece that I was talking about. When you can rely on someone else to help you sort out all the confusing sounds and the noises of your, of your grief, it really helps. It doesn't make the pain go away, but it softens it to some degree in that someone else is helping you carry that load for a while. The counseling, yeah. Yeah. Heidi, um, what's your thought where there is a traumatic loss? Now, I understand, Mark, that you and neighbor actually heard your son say something like, God help me. So that's a huge amount to be carrying. Yeah, actually, um, the uh, we live in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, which is just across the river into Wisconsin in the town of New Richmond, where my son actually died. And as we went up to investigate the scene a few days after uh, Adam's funeral, I met with a man who was on scene at the accident. In fact, he said he was in his front yard when the airplane came down. And he described for me in detail what happened. And he made a point, and I, and I thank God for him, because the news media, as, as much as they do a wonderful service for us, at times they can be so absent-minded to the, the critical nature of a person's grieving. Um, you know, they, they'll, they'll put things on the news that are harmful to us. And there was, there was a young girl who had been interviewed that uh, was making uh, statements that my son was, was saying all sorts of things. And this guy told me, he said, that's not true. He said, I was there. I was in my front yard. And when I came over to the scene, I tried to help, but no one could get close enough because the fire was so intense. He said, but I have to tell you this. And then the man started weeping when he told me. He said, I tried to get you, your son, but the fire was too hot. But I heard him cry out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And then he died. And then the guy collapsed in my arms. And I have to tell you, as, as hard as it was for me to hear that my son was burning to death, the other side of me uh, was so relieved that he was calling out to his God. And for me personally, that, is, that was so important. And so uh, when, when people share stories or share, share the, uh, the events, uh, it, it, I think it's really important for them to at least try to be sensitive to the person listening because it can have a devastating effect, which is what the news media gave us, or uh, a wonderful effect, which is that the very last words my son said were something that were uh, embedded in his faith and mine. Mm, wow. Heidi, do you have a thought on that? I love what Mark is saying, and we've... we've it's reframing what actually happened because the bottom line is we have no idea what the last second of our loved one's lives are like. We do not know. We only know what was happening as they were dying. But as they were leaving this world, maybe they were at peace. We don't know. And it sounds like maybe, you know, because there's another t part that nobody knows about. And, I mean, I remember, you know, I've been working with 9-11 families for 10 years. And there was a situation, which reminds me of what Mark is talking about, where three firefighters were trapped in a stairwell, and they were found there huddled together. And it, you know, their arms were around each other, and they were dead. 
And the families were very devastated because they were saying, oh, my God, maybe they were huddled together in fear. And we said, possibly, but these were all men that had a strong belief and a strong faith, and maybe they were huddled together in prayer and in peace because they were going into the next life. We don't know. So, I mean, to, to rethink this through, because in my belief, they are, they are, we don't know what the, la- the last second is. And maybe it was a wonderful, peaceful place after they, you know, started making that journey, and I have to believe that. So, Mark, I love the story that you're sharing. Thank you. I, if I might add to that, one of the things that we put in our love baskets that we send to families that are dealing with the death of a child is a little booklet called The Child of God. It's subtitled Between Death and the Resurrection. And this was actually a little booklet that was written by Judson B. Palmer, who was the founder of the YMCA. And Judson Palmer lost his entire family to a tornado in Texas in the late 1800s. And he suffered terribly the loss because they never recovered the bodies of his family. And his friend Margaret suggested, because he was a minister, she suggested for his comfort that he do research on heaven because that's where he believed his family to be. And so he did. And what he discovered in that research was absolutely amazing. And it, it dovetailed on what Heidi just said, in that those very last moments, um, we don't know what happens. But this little book, The Child of God, uh, gives an account by professionals throughout the industry of, of healing uh, in the, at the deathbed scene. And I can't go into a lot of detail on it, but... I mean, we have uh, read this little Child of God booklet hundreds of times just to be reassured and just to be comforted again for those the, uh, events that were recorded by these professionals at the deathbed scene. So, yeah. Wow. Now, here, here I am now, Mark. I'm out listening to the show. I'm listening to you, and I'm saying, love baskets, what are they? How do I get them? How do I get this little book? The... Uh, LNF Ministries, and LNF stands for Love Never Fails, it was a pivotal point in the only sermon that my son ever gave at our little church, Love Never Fails, and that actually comes from the Bible of 1 Corinthians 13.8, and it's what is quoted on his headstone, Love Never Fails. And we, we called it that because what we wanted to do is to reach out in love and in understanding to other grieving families in the hopes that we could bring them some comfort and some insight to the process and the progress that they're going to go through with this journey called grief, and that they would be able to see and feel and experience the love that is still all around them. I write very early on in my book that love did not seem to be present at all at the death of my son, that love was always there. And so these love baskets include comfort items like some teas that are donated by uh, tea companies and some coffee that is uh, presented by a, a local youth group in Minneapolis. There are books uh, that my wife's in my book, Mayhem to Miracles and A Mother's Journal, uh, are in the love baskets, as well as The Five Cries of Grief by Merton and Irene Strollman. And we have other things. We have a crystal star that we put in the basket to, to shine in the window and let little rainbows dance all over um, the walls. There's um, like I say, comfort. I this is mom and pop sort of an operation. We would, we just want to reach out to another mom and dad and tell them that your child isn't forgotten. You know, just the, about six to eight weeks after the, the funeral of a child, 
that everybody's life continues on, and, and we hear this so much when we meet with other grieving families, is that the, the real trauma, I shouldn't say the real trauma, the secondary fallout of this real trauma comes when everybody else goes back to their life, when, they, when the casseroles are no longer coming and there's no more flowers being delivered at the front door and the phone stops ringing and the, the mailman didn't bring any cards and letters and things. That's the second time that they realize that they're in this seemingly alone. And that's when we try to get this love basket delivered to their doorstep anonymously. Uh, we make every attempt that we possibly can to not in, uh, uh, interfere with the family's progress. We never contact them. We never call them. Uh, we painstakingly try to find their, their addresses. And so uh, but this basket is really representative of the, the culmination of things that people gave us over a long period of time in our own grief journey. And so we look back on the panorama of that, and we say, my goodness, look at the love that friends and family and neighbors all shared with us. Okay, now now tell me it. how I can get it. Well, um, these baskets typically are sent by uh, someone who wants to sponsor a basket. Let's say, for instance, uh, a family uh, lives next door to someone who has recently lost a child, and they know of our ministry. They can contact us, and uh, they can sponsor a basket, and we will send it in in memory of their child, the, the child, uh, by the family that is sponsoring it. Okay, Mark, how do, way, how do I get it? How do I, I mean, is there a telephone number or uh, you? Well, you can, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you can go on our website at www.lnf.org, and you can contact us by way of the, the website. Yes. Okay. So they can get you that way. Do you have a? Do you want them to call you, or you want them to come in through the website? We would prefer that, that all contact comes in through the website, uh, because, like I, as I said, this is a, a mom and pop operation, and um, we don't have phone call coverage with staff or anything like that. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to receive phone call that way. Going through the website and, and emailing would probably be the most efficient way to contact. Okay, so uh, they can find you through your website, and I would say your book is wonderful, and we didn't even get into the miracles part because we got so involved in all of this, but there are wonderful uh, stories about miracles in here, and one of the things that I want to say that Mark says it is so important is that um, don't trivialize the things that happen in your life. I mean, you'll see license plates, you'll see uh, butterflies, there are stories about those in here, uh, about uh, he tells one story that happened to me, which is he heard singing when he was at church, and he thought it was a whole heavenly choir, and it was the choral group from the church. And uh, and he looked around, and there was nobody there, but there was beautiful music. So um, don't trivialize those things, right, Mark? They're they're God's reaching out to us in many ways. Oh, it's absolutely true, and, and that would be the the one if I was going to make one point about. Uh, the book on Mayhem's Miracles, it would be that, uh, remember early on uh, in this interview I mentioned to find a place of peace and quiet? That is instrumental in trying to uh, hone your uh, skills, if you will, of listening and looking, stopping, pausing, so that you can be aware of the stuff that is around you. 
people, places, events, and I, I have found out that God speaks to me through all of those things, which you mentioned, butterflies, license plates, and airplanes flying through the sky. And, and that's really the point of the book, is to, to find a place of peace inside yourself so that you can be aware of the presence of God who wants to speak to your heart and help comfort you in those things. Uh, the book that I wrote is about my personal journey. Uh, it may not be about everyone's journey, but I do believe that if folks give themselves the opportunity to stop, look, and listen, and be kind to themselves and take time, they will find that there's a lot more that they can learn about themselves and about the world they live in in a miraculous way, find comfort in trying to answer those impossible questions like what happened, why God, why, um, and so on. Now, uh, your book, is, in a, is it on Amazon or just found at your site? Uh, you can find it on our website at adamstar-publishing.com. We, have, we don't have it on Amazon yet, but uh, that's the next step for us is to... The, this thing just got published in October, so we're still really... Uh, really new at it. The ink is somewhat wet, but you can purchase it. <laughs> you can purchase it off of our website, and that is Adam Star A D S T A R dash publishing dot com. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and thanks for all the work that you and your wife are doing with this foundation, and all the wonderful uh, work that you do in memory of your son Adam. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much. God bless you, folks. Thank you. Well, Heidi, it's always an inspiration what people are doing. I love this love basket idea, don't you? And the, I, I like the fact that it's uh, it's put together because of a lot of uh, friends and things that people gave them. I do, too. What a healing gift to give somebody after something like this. I love it. Well, please stay tuned again next week for more of the Open to Hope show, and have a good day. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.